Good morning, church. There we go. I thought I could see you out there. It is bright, but I did see folks. It is good to see you, and Merry Christmas, and Happy Neary to you. This morning, we're going to be in Luke's Gospel, the second chapter. I'll be reading from the NIV version of that story. You follow along in the Pew Bible, or your Bible you brought with you, or perhaps your mobile device, if that is your preference. But I'll be reading uh, from chapter 2 of Luke, beginning with verse 41. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. And the church said, thanks be to God. I'm even familiar with the Where's Waldo book. Where's Waldo was written or illustrated by Martin Hanford. He's an English illustrator, and it first came out in September of 1987. Waldo, of course, is always in a red and white striped shirt, a bobble hat, and glasses. You can see his glasses here at the top of the page in his hat. And if you open up each page, uh, there's a, a group of people and or things, and somewhere in the midst of the picture is one Waldo in each of the pages. Now, I was never very good at quickly finding Waldo, and evidently, somebody has taken the time to discover the, the pattern of where he is, and there's some algorithm you can use to determine where he is on each individual page. And as the story progressed, the number of people and things around Waldo increased, and the size of Waldo decreased, and so he became much more difficult to find with each iteration of the book. So what in the world does Waldo and where Waldo is have to do with our sermon for today? Well, today we're going to talk about where is Jesus, because Mary and Joseph were looking for him, and they couldn't find him. The, our story is found in Luke's gospel, and in the first part of the chapter today, the gospel writer tells the story of Jesus being born and of the shepherds uh, being visited by the angel, and then we get the story of Jesus being presented in the temple leading up to that. Now, our text today, and the gospel of Luke is the only gospel that includes this story. In fact, it's the only story of Jesus as a boy that's included anywhere in Scripture. And people want to fill in the details. What, what was Jesus like as a small child? Did he drive his parents bonkers like most children do? Was he perfect like he is? He was fully human, so he had to do some things that got on their nerves, of course. 
Now, there are some stories of Jesus as a boy in other literature, but they didn't make the canon, the scripture, as we know it. And so I want us to focus today on what we know about Jesus as a boy at the age of 12 and not be thinking about all the details of, of what he may or may not have been like because there's some very important things that we find out about Jesus as a 12-year-old boy that I think shapes who he is as a person and gives us some guidance for our lives today as well. Just before our text today in verses 21 through 39, Luke tells the story of Jesus being presented in the temple as was written in the law of the Lord, which said, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. So in the temple, Mary and Joseph encountered two people uh, that's indicated in the text, the first being Simeon, and he declared Jesus to be the means of salvation for all people, both Jews and Gentiles. And they also encountered the prophetess Anna, who had words of encouragement to say to Mary and Joseph about baby Jesus. As soon as they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. We also have in Scripture in Luke the indication that they took him to be circumcised at eight days, and that was where he was officially given the name of Jesus, that the angel had instructed them to name him. And so we get a picture of a family that is tied to Jewish tradition and Jewish law and the Jewish religion. It was very important to Jesus' family to follow the Jewish law. And so Jesus was raised in that way, and the, the way of life for a Jew was important to the family and was very familiar to Jesus. And so it's no surprise that we see at the beginning of our text them making the journey to Jerusalem for the great feast. Now the verse before our text and the last verse I think serve as a bookend for our story and gives us a glimpse into Jesus' life as a small boy. If you look back in verse 40, and it says, And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, this seems to indicate that time frame from when the story ends of, of presenting him in the temple from then until he's a boy at the age of 12 is sort of the, the time frame that this verse encapsulates for Jesus' life. And then the last verse, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man in verse 52 seems to indicate that time frame and that time period from Jesus' life when he was 12 as a boy until the time that he was a man and began his public ministry. And you'll notice one difference, and it says in the second one, in the last verse, and in favor with God and man. And this seems to indicate that there were other people that were beginning to be clued into the divinity side of Jesus. Now, everybody knew Jesus as a baby and, and knew that he was a human, but people seem to be getting a glimpse of his divinity as well because it says, and in, in, in favor with God and man, where in verse 40 it just included in favor with God. God, of course, knew of his divinity uh, as his own son. So this sort of encapsulates our story and gives us an idea of Jesus post-12, the time frame between that and uh, his public ministry, and then the time frame from when he was a baby and presented in the temple to the time that he was 12, where we pick up our story today. In verse 41, it, it says, every year the family made the trip to Jerusalem. Again, another tie-in to the Jewish tradition and the Jewish faith uh, for this family. And a Jewish boy, when he would become a man at the age of 12, and so though Jesus very likely had made this journey many years uh, with his family, it would have been quite different of a trip this time for him because he would have been experiencing it and seeing it from a different 
set of eyes. Think back to a time in which you experienced something for the first time and how you may have heard stories or seen things about it, but you understand it and experience it in a different way. Uh, liken it to a child that's faced backwards in the car and all of a sudden you turn around and there's a whole new world opened up before them and they see things from a different perspective. I remember when, when Jacob was little and we were headed up to the mountains, he had this idea living in Greenville of, of mountains being the little hills that were here. And as soon as we came over 40 and you could actually see the Blue Ridge Mountains, it was like a new uh, realm of possibility. And he was just mesmerized by the, the size of the mountains that were in front of him and got a new understanding of what a hill was like here in Greenville. So Jesus was experiencing this perhaps in a way that he had never done so before. He's uh, of age, he's got more responsibility, and so he's experiencing this time differently than he would have ever before. Now, Jewish males would have been expected in that day who live within a certain distance of Jerusalem to attend the three main festivals each year. Now, if you were, uh, live farther away or if your family was poor and you couldn't afford to spend three weeks of the year and miss out on your livelihood, you would have just made the journey once. And so it's very likely that Jesus' family, um, given their uh, lack of, of resources and funds potentially, that they probably just made the trip for this one festival, but it would have been a very important trip and an important part of what they did. Now this week, with the festival in Jerusalem, there would have been large crowds that would have been gathered around the city, and so they would have traveled up as a group and traveled back as a group, and so that sets the stage for us of, of um, discovering the need for even looking for Jesus. In verses 43 and 44, uh, we see why Mary and Joseph have the need to even be, begin looking for Jesus. It was likely that women often traveled um, before the men did. They took their time, walked a little slower. Uh, there's a possibility as they're traveling that Joseph thought that Jesus was perhaps with Mary, or Mary may have thought that Jesus was with Joseph, or perhaps they were traveling together and just assumed that he was off with some friends or other family members, because for safety reasons and for companionship, they often made the journey back to their homelands uh, as a large group. And so traveling that day, they wouldn't have given much thought, unlike we would today, to where our children um, would be. So they don't discover until the first day that Jesus isn't in the group. And so at this point, they have to make the decision to travel back to Jerusalem to look for Jesus. And that would have been dangerous in itself. Uh, just to travel alone was not a good idea in those days, but they had no other choice but to go back and, and look for Jesus. Now we get the indication that Jesus' decision to stay behind was an intentional decision. Now whether he intentionally didn't tell his parents, we don't know that. But it seems to be that Jesus knew what he was doing, and he made the decision very intentionally to stay behind, uh, and he had his reasons for doing so. In verses 45 and 46, we get uh, the reaction of Mary and Joseph once they finally find Jesus. And I want you to think for a moment what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph to go three whole days and to have no idea where their son Jesus is. Now, he is the son of God, but still... He's a boy, and they've had to have been concerned and worried about where he would have been. Now, I, I won't ask you to raise your hand to indicate if you have lost your child for a period of time at, at some point, but my bet is that most of you at some point have had a moment, at least, in which you didn't know where your child was. I'll admit that we've lost Josiah on more than one occasion. Um, he seems to have this way to slip out 
away from our control. But the most recent one was this July 4th. And we had gone down to Town Commons to celebrate the 4th of July. And we had gone early because they have the bouncy houses and the game trailer and things to do to get our children out of our house and out of our hair and let them do some things. And he was playing very kindly and nicely in the game trailer. And um, Jessica was right outside waiting for him to come out. And somehow he slipped out. And she didn't see him go, and so she calls and says, he hadn't come out in a while, I don't know where he is, I come up and look for him, he's not in that trailer. And the panic begins to set in minute by minute as to where, where Josiah is. And so we begin looking, we look for people that we know, and they're looking for Josiah. So we have this whole search party for about 30 minutes looking for this child in the town commons in the midst of thousands of people. Thank goodness for a couple that finds this crying child that is clearly lost and looking for his parents. They take him to an officer and they quickly find out that he is indeed looking for someone. And they find us and we're reunited. And I imagine that Mary and Joseph had this similar feeling of wanting to hug Jesus and love him and then wring his neck all at the same time and say, where in the world have you been? Now, perhaps they had the same conversation we did with Josiah about staying where you are when you get lost because it's much easier to find you instead of circling around a large place like the park. Nonetheless, imagine what Mary and Joseph must have been feeling when they discover um, that they find Jesus in the temple. Now picture the temple. It would have been a large uh, open area the size of perhaps several football fields, large columns, and the teachers would typically gather around those columns, and people would sit and talk and answer questions and, and listen to them, and that's where they find Jesus, and they're all amazed by the answers and understanding that Jesus seems to have. Now, we get the reaction of his parents, but we hear Mary speaking on behalf of Mary and Joseph. And depending on the version of the text you read, uh, they're astonished, they're overwhelmed. Um, You see, the difference between Mary and Joseph looking for Jesus and us looking for Josiah was... Both of us were looking for each other in our case, but Jesus was not looking for Mary and Joseph. See, Jesus wasn't lost. Jesus knew right where he was, and he was where he knew he needed to be. But Mary and Joseph had the, uh, the reaction you would expect uh, to be missing a child. In some versions of the, the text, it says, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Or it says, Half out of our minds looking for you. Another one says, Been searching for you in great anxiety. Jesus not telling them that he stayed behind caused them unnecessary grief. So I want you to hold in your mind the reaction that Mary and Joseph had and the emotions they must have been feeling in the midst of that. Because before we look at the reaction that Jesus has in response to them, I want us to finish out the text and come back to Jesus' Jesus' response uh, to them. Uh, In a few moments, we'll come back and look at at verse 49. But in verse 51, it says, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. See, even though that Jesus was getting a deeper understanding of who he was and what his purpose was, he knew that uh, he still had some growing up to do. And he would do that in the comforts of his home, with his family, with his parents, in the town of Nazareth. I think that's important to know that even though Jesus is getting a clear understanding of who he is, and how he relates to God in a new and different way than other people, he still knows that he's got to be respectful to Mary and Joseph, and he's still got some growing up to do, and he's going to do that in the comforts of the home and the place that he's done that the first 12 years of his life. I do want you to notice the shift in the relationship between Jesus and his parents in the beginning of this text and the end of this text. In verse 41 and 42 and 48, 
Mary and Joseph seem to be in control. They're in charge. The, the family goes up to Jerusalem, and Jesus goes with them. Uh, and the first one's there. Um, Son, why have you treated us like this? Mary's response to Jesus. Mary is in control. Mary's the one asking the questions. But in verse 41, there's a shift when it says, Then he, being Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them. So Jesus is making this shift in his mind, and Mary and Joseph are having to catch up to it. Um, Jesus is the one that goes back, and he goes with them. Jesus is the one sort of in front uh, of this. I've got two pictures I want to put up on the screen, and sometimes pictures can illuminate a situation in a slightly different way that words can. And the first one uh, is called Christ Among the Doctors. And you'll notice that Jesus is the one uh, in the middle there, and he is the size of a child. Uh, but if you look, uh, his head is slightly higher than anybody else in the picture. Uh, everybody's attention is focused in on this boy Jesus and looking at him. You also notice that Mary and Joseph here on the left, there are three teachers between them and Jesus. That dichotomy of that um, break from mom and dad and Jesus as son, the son of God. Um, and so though he's the size of a child, there's obviously the attention is drawn to Jesus. And the text says that they were amazed at the answers that he was given. The second picture I want to put up is, depicts the, the return to um, Nazareth for the family. And so Jesus seemed to have an indication that he still had some growing up to do and would do it in the confines at home with mom and dad. And so it may be a little hard to tell, but uh, Joseph is on the right there, and it, it, his hand is clasped over Jesus in the sense of he's still dad. He's still guiding Jesus back home, and there's still some lessons he's got to do. He's between mom and dad. They're both holding his hand. They're returning home after Jesus being lost. And so this dichotomy of Jesus sort of in charge or uh, uh, leaders of the day amazed at what he's doing and yet mom and dad still got a hold on the hand of Jesus and returning home with him. So I just wanted to show those two pictures and give you a, a sense of what the emotions for the different groups uh, might have been for that. I want us to go back to verse 49 because I think that's the most critical part of our text uh, for today. It's the intersection of Jesus' humanity along with Jesus' divinity. Jesus knows, or at least indicates that he's beginning to figure out that, and only God knows how he knows, but he's figuring out that he must be about God's business, about his Father's business. Now, in verse 49, we have the very first words of Jesus in Scripture, so we have to pay attention to it, right? Now, what are his first words? There are two questions. And how many times does Jesus in Scripture follow up a question with a question, right? And so his first one, he asked his mother, he says, why were you searching for me? He's asking, why were you even looking for me? And then he follows that question up with another question. And he says, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But the text is very clear that they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, there are instances in Luke before this of which... Um, Jesus' special mission and nature have been communicated um, to him and through other people. For example, the angel, or Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, the shepherds, Simeon, Anna. There are others who get a glimpse of the special nature of the boy or the baby Jesus. But in this moment, for the first time in Scripture, Jesus is claiming this special nature, this different aspect of him uh, set apart for himself. 
has Mary forgotten over the 12 years of who this baby is? She's the one that had the revelation from the angel and that declared that this would be God's son. And she had seen and had a front row seat to this, this revelation of who Jesus was, but it seems to be over those 12 years, over the ordinary, mundane, day-to-day life with the, the boy Jesus, that she seems to have forgotten at least for a moment who Jesus really was as God's son. How could Mary, of all people, not understand? Throughout the Gospels, Jesus lovingly chides confused and troubled people, directing them to the truths about him that need to be known and remembered. And he's doing that for the first time in this text. In a nice and loving way as he he can be to his mother, he's asking two questions to help point her to the understanding of who he really is. Other examples, in Matthew 8, 24 through 26, the disciples' little faith in the midst of the storm, and Jesus redirects them to understand who he is and what he's about. Matthew 16, 5 through 12, the disciples failed to consider the implications of the miracles of the loaves. Yet again, Jesus is in a loving way as chiding them to understand and get a glimpse of who he is and what he's about. Uh, in John 20 through 27, doubting Thomas, Jesus has to show him the, the holes in his arm and help him understand who he is and what he's about. So Jesus does that throughout Scripture for people, and he's doing that for his mother and for us in this text today. Now, if Jesus had been up front with Mary and Joseph about, hey, listen, Mom and Dad, I need to hang around a little bit in Jerusalem. Uh, I'm, I'm beginning to understand who I am, uh, how I'm God's son, and how I need to be about my father's business. Would they have understood and said, okay, we get that? Maybe, maybe not. We, we don't know. Um, but we do get an indication that Jesus is indeed a human and a teenager nonetheless in this text because we have the mixture of the wonderful, maddening mixture of quick perceptiveness and utter self-absorption that shows out in teenagers day to day. So we do know that Jesus is indeed a human along with his divinity. Mary and Joseph were searching for Jesus, but Jesus is also searching for something here. It's just not his parents. See, Jesus is searching for his identity. He's searching for a deeper understanding of his mission in the world and his relationship with his Father in heaven. In this text, Jesus is gently yet definitively takes the name from Father from Joseph and gives it to God because he's seeing himself as the Son of God and understanding it in a way that he hasn't as clearly done before. The anxiety that Mary exhibits in the temple that day foreshadows the much future misunderstanding as Jesus understood to do the will of his Father because the more clear Jesus' focus became on what his will of the Father was and what his part in that was, the more confused everybody around him became because they just couldn't wrap their minds around this divinity side of Jesus and how that played out in his life. Mary and Joseph not understanding what Jesus was saying is the first indication of countless times of other people throughout Scripture, including his disciples who spent countless hours and days and months and years with Jesus. Even the disciples don't understand Jesus' mission in life. But Jesus is, is beginning to show and demonstrate and teach others, including his parents, what that means. Now remember, as a member of a devout Jewish family with loving parents, Jesus had grown up listening for God's voice. That would have been important um, to the family. He was taught by caring adults, both his parents and others within the community of Nazareth. Um, he was protected by loving parents. He had been nourished in the safe confines of the little town of Nazareth. 
And so he became to mature and to be strong and to be wise. Now the question I have for you and I today is, do we relate to Mary and Joseph in this text? Or do we relate to Jesus in this text? We all struggle to hear clearly what God's will is for each of our lives. To have an understanding of what he wants us to do and to be. For some parents, it's a struggle to see God's hand at work in a teenager's life. Uh, For example, a teenager gets a a calling to perhaps study abroad or uh, do mission work over a summer overseas and perhaps the not most safe part of the world, but they have a tug and this this sense of a call to minister in a particular area, and mom and dad don't quite understand that. They want to keep them safe and close to home. But just like Jesus began to get a glimpse and understanding of what he was, that happens as well with with young people. Um, This text for Jesus evokes questions of identity and vocation. And I think it does for us as well. Who are we? What is our mission? How many of us at the age of 12 had a clear understanding of who we are and what we were about? We may have thought we did, but we didn't really fully understand as, as well, I think, as Jesus did. So as we close out the year of 2018 and move into 2019, as we've celebrated Christmas and we've anticipated uh, the return of Christ and celebrated the birth of the baby Jesus, in the few months as we turn our eyes towards uh, the cross and the journey through the Lenten season towards Easter Sunday, what or who are you and I looking for? We face circumstances in our lives in which Mary and Joseph We're searching for Jesus. And there could be a myriad of reasons that we're looking for Jesus. It could be that we've sort of set aside our faith intentionally for selfish reasons. And we've not made Jesus a a steady, important, daily part of our lives. And so we're, we're looking to find him again to make him a part of our lives. Perhaps we've been through a traumatic experience or some sense of loss or grief. And just the thought of Jesus even being present in that moment seems distant and far from us. Um, We know he's right there, but we just don't have the sense of of feeling that in the way that maybe we had before. Sometimes it's because we've pushed him away, and sometimes it's because life gets so busy, but whatever it is, there's there's times in our lives that we're looking, and we're searching for Jesus much in the way that Mary and Joseph did. And how often do we forget who he is and what he's about? But there are other of us that, like Jesus, at various points in our life, we're wrestling with who we are. What is our identity? What is our mission in life? We're looking for a deeper understanding of the call that God has for each of us and what he wants us to do. In our text today, Jesus was clear about what his mission was. He says, I must, I must be about my father's business. I must be in my father's house doing the will of of my father. There's other evidence in scripture of Jesus' clear understanding of his identity. In Luke 4:18, he says, "I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free." Jesus must be in his father's house doing the will of his father, and at 12, he's gaining an understanding of who he is how God made him to be and what God wants him to be doing. It takes a while for the rest of the world to catch up to him, and it's still doing that. But Jesus is claiming for himself, uh, he is God's son, and he must be about the will of his father and to do the task that his father 
has for him to do. See, Jesus was never where he was not supposed to be. Jesus wasn't the one that was lost. Jesus at 12 is becoming focused on the business of his father, and he was always, always, always obedient to what Jesus wanted, even to the point of death on the cross. No matter how old we are or what stage of life we're experiencing, our focus should be, rather our focus must be on searching for how God wants to use us right here and right now. So, where is Jesus? Well, Jesus was right where God wanted him to be in our story. And my prayer for you and I is that you and I would be right where he wants us to be as well, doing what he wants us to be doing and to be about the business of our Father in heaven. Amen.